Doing something kind to help someone is often rewarding. But what happens when it's not? When someone has to perform a thankless job over and over, pride tends to creep in. We tend to start thinking more of getting recognition for our work and less about the person we are caring for, which is exactly how the man in today's episode felt. So how do we put our pride aside? Let's find out. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory bringing you the story of a man who saw an opportunity to care for a neighbor. But when that opportunity turned into more of a challenge, he was forced to come face to face with his pride. We'll see who helped him face that pride head on in today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later we're going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize that you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. Part two of the true story of Mike Adkins and a man called Norman. He's inside the house here, officer. I sure appreciate you taking a look at him. No problem. Glad I was close by. Norman, I brought some help. Norman, Officer Murphy was visiting next door, so I asked him to come over so he could take a look at your leg. Hi, Norman. Hey. Norman, show him your leg. Let him see where the problem is. Ever seen anything so awful? And the smell is... Unbearable. Uh huh. That's uh, that's gangrene. Oh my! I was afraid of that. Can I uh, talk to you in the other room? Sure. It's bad. I know. That's worse than bad. His legs rotten off his body. I just hope it's not going to have to be amputated. This is an unforgettable story of an uncommon friendship of two men who triumph over their fears and the unexpected rewards of those who reach out to others. Based on his focus on the family book, we bring you part two and the conclusion of the true story of Mike Adkins and a man called Norman, right now on Unshackled. Living in a small Midwestern town, you still get your share of odd characters. My family just happened to move in across the street from one. Others in our community had come to believe this strange man was mentally disabled or an idiot savant or even demon-possessed. But at God's urging, I befriended this town recluse, this man everyone had come to know as Old Weird Norm. I suppose I took on this providential assignment of loving my neighbor Norman as part of my Christian duty, but I would learn that it wasn't just for Norman's benefit. By this time, we'd been friends for a little bit, and I could see just how much Norman was needing help. Starting with his small, dilapidated old house that hardly seemed livable. But with my wife Carmel's help, we made a valiant effort. Still, so much work needed to be done, and the job seemed too much for me. 
I told God, this is too big. I can't do this. It's too big, God. Well, he must have heard me. Hey, Mike. Charles, what are you doing here? <laughs> it looks like you got half the church with you. We've come to help you clean and fix up Norman's house. And so they said, and so they did. Over the next two weekends, the men and women of that group worked like all get out. Norman was delighted with the changes, although he never did much to help. He stood around and watched. My goodness. Norman, look at all that soot drip down that windowpane. <laughs> Dirty. Filthy, more like. You're a good cleaner. <laughs> you must have thought you'd been living in a house with permanently stained glass. Uh, I, I can see the light now. Here comes the sun. <laughs> yep, in comes the light. See what you've been missing? I was sure I had felt a prompting from the Lord to cross the street and talk to Norman. God had given me the courage to walk into the arms of that bear-like man. I came to see, though, that I was inclined that way for reasons that had as much to do with me as with Norman. I went across the street to clean up an old hermit, and God used him to clean me up. Part of our cleaning process continued with a neighborly field trip. Hey, Norman, you a baseball fan? Do you root for the Redbirds? Oh. <laughs> no, I mean it, Norman. Have you ever been to see the St. Louis Cardinals play? No, like to. I see them on television. Well, why don't we go to a game then? I'll get tickets. <sighs> you wait and see if I don't. And so I did. One summer day, I bought tickets and arranged to meet Norman the morning of the game. I pulled over in front of his house, honked the horn, and what did I see coming out his front door? Well, I couldn't believe my eyes. Now, keep in mind, it was baseball weather, very hot, sticky, humid, and here comes Norman wearing a heavy, long, tweed, itchy winter overcoat that came down to his feet. As he lumbered across the yard with his tall, lanky, weird look, wearing that way-out-of-place overcoat, the only thing I thought was, what if someone sees me with him? What if someone sees me that knows me? What will people think? Norman, that coat you're wearing, you won't need it. It's hot. I'd, uh, I'd kind of like to wear it. But, Norman, it's going to be in the 90s today. You're going to burn up in that thing. Why don't you leave the coat in the house? I'd kind of like... Uh, I really want to wear it. <sighs> All right. Get in the car, Norman. Norman, hold on a minute. I've been thinking about it. And I'm not going to go into that stadium with you if you're wearing that stupid old coat. Now give it to me and I'll throw it in the back seat. Mike, I'd, uh, I'd still kind of like to wear it. If you don't take off that coat right now and give it to me, we're going to get back in that car and go home. Now give me that coat, Norman. Well, all right. Thank you. Now we can head on in. 
I know you're going to be much happier without the... Stop. Norman, stop. Turn around. Oh, my goodness. And there it was. There I saw the whole reason Norman wanted to wear that long winter overcoat. He had on two pairs of dress pants, one on top of the other, and both were ripped all the way up the back. Needless to say, I then better understood his position. Norman, come here. Let's put your coat back on you. All right. So we put on his coat and headed on into the game. These are pretty good seats, aren't they, Norman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You like baseball, Norman? Norman? Huh? You all right? You're not even watching the game. I've never seen this many people in one place before. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of people. I think there's probably 30,000 here today. Uh, I was only out of town once in my whole life before this. Went 30 miles one time. You actually had fun? <laughs> I really did. I had a lot of fun with Norman today. Oh, Mike, I'm so glad. You know, in many ways, Norman is like a child discovering something new. The pleasure of being with him is getting to rediscover the familiar, learning to be, well, amazed at a baseball game, a TV program, a lawnmower that's finally running right. <laughs> he is fascinated with people wherever he goes. I'm struck by how open he is to others after a lifetime of neglect and abuse. Yeah, Mike, he is so trusting. It occurs to me that a day like today, being with Norman at the game and all, is what Christians really ought to do. You know, just reach out to people. So I felt the Lord wanted me to become even more personally involved with Norman. One day, I found an old brown suit that had been sitting in my closet that I didn't wear anymore. Had a few shiny spots and not really in style anymore. But it certainly seemed good enough for Norman. As I walked across the street, I made sure I held the suit high enough for the neighbors to see. Norman! Hey, Mike. Come on in. Norman, I brought you a nice suit. Oh, thank you. You like it? Uh-huh. Yes, thank you. Uh, Want to put it there in my closet? All right. Uh, I'll just hang it up here. Huh! Norman! You got a whole closet full of clothes. Yeah. Folks have been giving me clothes for some time. I see. Looks like they've been giving you their old clothes, their cast-offs. I don't know. Most of them don't fit. And right then, a boy spoke to me. Love your neighbor as yourself. I went home that night and got my Bible and came across Corinthians 13 where it read, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Huh. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. 
it was then that I decided to buy Norman a brand new suit that would cost more than any suit I'd ever bought for myself. So we went downtown to the best men's store and bought Norman a suit that he picked out. It was tasteful, a navy dress suit with fancy stitching at the lapels. I also bought him a shirt, new socks, and new shoes. On the ride home, I got an idea. Norman, would you like to go to the gospel singing service at church tonight? Tonight? Yep, you'd be my guest. I like music. You could wear your new suit. All right. Uh, let's go. But Norman, if we go, you got to do one thing. What's that? Well, are we pretty good friends by now, Norman? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, we're, we're pretty good buddies. Well then, Norman, today is your day. Today? Yep, today is the day, Norman. Today is the day you take a bath. Oh, it's been a long time since I took a bath. <laughs> Why have you not taken baths regularly? Because I figured uh, who'd care. Well, Norman, I care. You don't want to get a ring around the collar on that new shirt, do you? So I went to the grocery store and bought a bar of lava soap and a big sponge and SOS pads. He'd been using his tub for years to store things, so I threw everything out and scrubbed it as best I could. I put the rubber stopper in, and slowly it started to fill with warm water. All right, Norman, here's the plan. You get in the tub while I wait in your living room. And when you're clean, you holler for me, and I'll come and see if you are really. Okay, my. I'm clean. All right, Norman, coming in. Let's see how clean you got. Oh, Norman. What? You look like you've just smeared mud on yourself. I don't think you understand what I'm talking about here. I'm saying you need to be clean, as in squeaky. Give me your head, Norman. Huh? Bend down here and stick your uh, head out. Oh, what, what, what are you doing? I'm getting you in a headlock so you oh. can't get away, and I'm going to take this lava soap and sponge here and scrub your scalp. Just like that. Mm. Mm. Suddenly, I spied a little bit of white hair. Before long, all his hair was beautiful white instead of dull gray. Then I scrubbed his face, his ears, and his neck. Uh, I, I ain't been this clean in can't remember. All right, listen, big boy. From there on down belongs to you. Get it clean. I'll be in the next room. I'm clean. Not good enough, Norman. Try again. We repeated this process maybe a half a dozen times. Finally, he was finished but not without water all over the walls, the floor, everywhere. You could rub your thumb any place on his body, though, and he'd squeak he was so clean. I bought him a new toothbrush and toothpaste, too, so he could brush those four teeth over and over. I shaved the whiskers off his clean face, 
We washed his glasses, styled his hair, got his new clothes on, and tied his tie. Step back now and let's take a look at you. All right. Norman, if I didn't know it was you, I'd think you were a state senator or a church deacon. <laughs> Speaking of church, we better get going if we're going to make the gospel singing. At the church, I got a lot of enjoyment from those folks who walked up to me and said, Welcome, Mike. Who's your friend? When they reached over to take his hand and shake it, I'd say, This is Norman. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed watching their reactions. I was happy to help Norman, and I knew God was helping me grow in the process. Hello? Mike, it's Hank down at the grocery. Hey, Hank, what's up? Mike, we love Norman. In fact, you know, we let him buy his food on credit down here. Don't misunderstand, I don't want to offend him, but the truth is, he stinks. My other customers are complaining openly. Well, Hank, I'm shocked. So, I I've got to ask you, much as I hate to do it, to tell him not to come in here anymore. Hello? Mike, it's Connie down at the Dairy Queen. How are you, Connie? Carmel and I were just talking about making a DQ run this afternoon. Good. And you can pick up Norman while you're down here. Norman? Is everything all right, Connie? In fact, it's not. I've got to ask you to tell Norman to not come in here anymore. Don't tell me. He, he stinks. stinks. Yeah, Mike. He stinks so bad he's running my other customers off. All right. I'll, uh, I'll have a talk with him. To be honest, I had some pent-up resentment toward Norman. Those many nights of trudging across his house in the snow, taking care of him like a baby, cleaning up his place and fixing things and doing all the rest, was it all for nothing? So I stomped over to his house, charged in his back door, and made him sit down at the kitchen table. Don't say a word to me. I'm gonna do the talking. The grocery store and the Dairy Queen called me, they said you stink when you go in their place, and they won't let you in there anymore. You can't go back. Mike, I did. Don't say anything. I'm doing the talking, and here's what I've got to say. I'm through with you. I've worked with you. I scrubbed your floors, cleaned your house, and everything else, but I'm done. This is the last time I'll ever be in your house. But, I'm Mike... going to tell you just one more thing, big boy, and at least I'm going to have the satisfaction of knowing before I leave that the last time I laid eyes on you, and this will be the last time, you were clean. So march in there and get your clothes off and get in the tub. I'm going to leave your house this final time with you in the tub getting clean. Don't argue with me. Hurry up, Norman. All right, Mike. I'm going to get in the tub now. I just want you to know that I'm doing what you tell me, Mike. Norman. Come here. Oh, my goodness. What has happened to your leg? It's swollen almost double its normal size. Oh, Norman, that's what smells so bad. This is serious. You know, I saw Officer Murphy's car next door. I'm gonna run over there and get him and see what he thinks we should do. I'll have you dropped off at the hospital in no time, Norman. Your officer said it was gangrene? Gangrene. Yes, but the doctors will know just what to do to help you. Norman, why are you laughing? Why, 
you sure were mad. You were beating on my kitchen table and everything. Well, I was mad, Norman. But I hardly had a right to be. I'm sorry. I'm uh, embarrassed by my behavior. I I'm really sorry, Norman. <laughs> I'm doing the talking, and here's what I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's Norman. He just laughed about it all. And he was still my friend. It turned out he'd cut himself using the pail I bought for him to soak his feet in. The superficial wound this caused had never healed, just got worse. He almost did lose his leg. He went through surgery and a long period of recuperation. Never totally healed, but he deals with it. Just like everything, Norman lives with these problems, never complaining, thankful for whatever help he's given. He has a quiet courage that I've learned to admire over the years. It had been a busy year and my involvement with Norman increased. One day that summer, while I was out in the yard working on that tree stump again, I was telling the Lord how tired I was and how much I was looking forward to my vacation. And then a voice seemed to say, this year, take Norman on vacation with you. I thought, that's not God, can't be, because the Lord knows we're going to Opryland. A couple weeks later, we're driving down to Nashville, my wife and girls in the back seat. Norman's sitting over where Carmel usually sits. You ever been to an amusement park, Norman? Uh, no, I never have. Opryland sure is fun. It's got games, all kinds of food, good music, and lots of fun rides. You'll enjoy these rides, Norman. You think he'd like the Wabash Cannonball? It's a cannonball? Well, that's what it's called, but honey, I'm not sure he can handle that. You know, physically. Probably best to avoid the roller coasters, then. Bumper cars. You could do that. Ever been in a bumper car, Norman? Uh, no. Just a regular car. Then that settles it. We're going straight to the Dodgems. <laughs> I thought you showed him how to operate it. <laughs> I did. He seemed to understand. Yeah. Oh, no. Look at him. Is he trying to go backwards like that? I can't imagine why. Hey, Norman, turn the other way. Turn the wheel the other way, Norman. I guess he now knows why they call it bumper cars. <laughs> he's getting whacked pretty good out there. Oh, my, he's got all the other cars pinned down to that one side, look. Oh, Norman! <laughs> Uh-oh, somebody got loose from the log jam and now they're coming around for him. Get moving, Norman! Oh, they hit him broadside. Oh, now they're all loose? Yep, and now they're all coming for Norman. Hold on tight, Norman. Oh. Mike, he's scared. I know, they're all just hitting him. He's getting out of the car. Stay in the car, Norman. Don't get out. Stay where you are. Oh, no. They're going to run over him out there. Hey! Hey, hey stop hey, the operator, ride! Stop the ride! Operator, hey, stop the ride! Stop the ride! Norman, come on over here. You can come out this way. You okay? You all right, Norman? Hey, where are you going? Norman! Let him go, Mike. He needs a moment.
Norman never complained or said anything about what happened that day. But I'll never forget that look on his face. A look that seemed to say, I trusted you. And as we walked away from that ride, I know the Lord said to me, You see, this is what people have been doing to the Normans of this world all their life. They've been hitting on him. I thought about my Norman. How high school kids had thrown snowballs at him in the wintertime and everybody laughed when they hit him. Except Norman. I wondered if even I, as a child, had made fun of him. Well, when we got home, I thought, God, learn my lesson. I know you taught me to love my neighbor as myself. So one beautiful Sunday after church when we came home, I knew that it was Norman's day. Not for a physical bath, but for a spiritual bath. And I asked a local pastor to go with me to Norman's house. Still, the concept of salvation was hard for Norman to grasp. Now, does that make sense, Norman? Uh, no. Uh, not really. All right, all right, let's look at it this way. Now, according to the Bible here, Norman, God's Word, it doesn't matter if you're a good person. Because it says here in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, which makes us sinners, all of us, even the good ones. And the Bible says here in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So even though you may think of yourself as a good person, Norman, you still need to believe in Jesus as your Savior. You understand? No. Okay. Norman, you are a good man. I know that about you. Yet even a good man like you still needs to ask Jesus to come into his heart. It's as if Jesus stands at the door and knocks, but you must come to that door and invite him in. He wants to be your friend, Norman. He wants to do for you what you can't do for yourself, which is save you. But why? Norman, let me explain again the plan of salvation. Now, salvation... I was desperate for Norman to see the truth. I had done one thing or another for him, but that was nothing compared to what God wanted to do for him. So while the pastor spoke, I prayed. Please, God. Let Norman understand. I don't know how to explain it to him, but you do. I, 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 I know what you're saying. Like, like my windows there being so dirty. It wouldn't do much good to just clean the outside of them. I'd have to clean the inside, too. Well, that's right, Norman. I couldn't have said it better. Norman, you need to pray for Jesus to save you, to come into your life, because the Bible says every single one of us must confess out of our mouth, not being ashamed of him, that he died at Calvary for our sins. Do you want to do that? Yeah, I, I do, Mike. All right. We'll all bow our heads and you can do that. Oh, God, I 
want to ask you to come into Norman's heart and be my savior. Because uh, that's what the preachers used to say on the radio on Sunday morning. My mama used to listen to them. And that's what that Bible over there says that I've been reading for myself. And so come into my heart. Come into Norman's heart and be my savior. Amen. Uh, did I do okay? You did just fine, Norman. Just fine. As I walked back across the street that night, I didn't really see him, but I envisioned some heavenly choir singing and rejoicing because that day Norman came to know Jesus as his personal savior. It's been a long time now since I first helped Norman out there in the yard with his lawnmower. But I have learned that there are Normans out there of every kind. Very wealthy, and very poor. Normans of all different levels. People living in the shadows. And they need you and me to care about them and reach out to help them to be what they can be and most importantly, share with them the good news of the gospel and salvation in Jesus Christ. And the reward? Well, the reward for me would be that one day when I get to heaven, that my next door neighbor is a man called Norman. Listening friend, it is a fact that anyone who does not have a personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ will die in his sins and face eternity in hell. Therefore, we owe it to our neighbors, even the Normans of this world, to lovingly share with them the good news of the gospel. Our prayer is that God will guide you to love and share with those neighbors who do not yet know Christ as their Savior. For you, if you have not yet received him, we pray that you will ask him to come into your life and give you the gift of eternal life for which he paid the price on the cross. To counsel with someone about this most important matter, we encourage you to call 1-888-NEED-HIM, or you can get in touch with us at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so... Send us your questions, and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast you can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. 
All right, the new prize for this sweepstakes contest is yet another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. The verse on this one is Lamentations 5.21. Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. This plaque is, well, beautiful. The deep brown bark complements the light brown rings where this plaque is written. It's also carved into almost the shape of a heart. If you'd like a peek at this scripture plaque, you're welcome to visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org, and stop by the audio drama page for a picture. Unfortunately, we are only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. That's your name, your phone number, and email. The deadline to enter the drawing will be June 3rd, and we will announce the winner on June 19th. We look forward to hearing from you. And next time... <laughs> Slow down. Don't run in the house. Come on. That's enough. Knock it off, you two. You knock it off, you no good drunk. Why, you little... When the pain of abuse overwhelmed Raul Reese, Mama, he's never going to change. I'll never stop hating him. He found taking out his fury on someone else helped ease his burden. Raul, are you crazy? You're gonna kill him! Just teaching him a lesson! But as the traumas grew, his anger couldn't keep up. Raul Reese, huh? you're under arrest for assault and battery. What? You have the right to remain silent. Would it be too late? And would he have gone too far? It wasn't my fault! It's never your fault! Every time I walk outside, there's a kid with a busted nose or a broken face complaining about you. I've got to protect my students from guys like you. You're a menace to society. Don't miss part one of the true story of Raul Reese, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in part two of the true story of Mike Adkins and a man called Norman were Jeff Parker, Tom McElroy, Demetrius Troy, Brad Armacost, Mara Kate Burns, and Holly Krajewski. Original music, Don Bador. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Holly Krajewski. Sound engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Tim Gregory. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.